Good morning, people of God. Good morning. For those of you who are new and joining and visiting with us this morning, and for those of you that have been here for many years, you are most welcome here. My name is Pastor Kelsey Parker, and how blessed are we to be able to worship together on this beautiful fall morning. For those of you joining us online, uh, as is our practice, we will be having communion this morning, and I invite you to grab some bread and wine or grape juice so that you can join with us in this communion community as we share the gift of grace of Jesus' love. A few announcements for today. We are hosting a vaccine clinic for those of you who are interested in either one or both of the most current flu shot and the COVID-19 booster. No appointment is necessary. You can just head through uh, straight back that way into the hallway to our conference room. There will be people set up there to help you with those. Uh, There's a lot going on this month, and I can't possibly announce it all, so I would encourage you to continue to read your Wednesday email that you're receiving from the office from top to bottom so that you can take it all in. A few things I do want to highlight is an upcoming new member class on October 15th after the second service. Uh, It's a time where you can come and learn more about King of Kings. You don't necessarily have to come with the intention of officially becoming a member, but just come and learn about us and uh, take that chance to get to know us especially Pastor Dave, a little bit better. I am personally calling on everyone here and online to help make our fall festival and trunk or treat a smashing success. Uh, On Saturday, October 21st from 12 to 2, we'll be hosting all kinds of games and activities for people of all ages. Um, I'm wondering if you would consider decorating your trunk for the trunk or treat portion. My goal is always 30 cars, and I have hit that goal at the last two trunk or treats, and I don't want to come come under that goal this year. There is a sign-up out on the welcome desk there, and if you're able to do that, or maybe not, the other thing you could do is grab a couple of our flyers and post them at the place where you work if they're open to that, or hand them out and use them to invite others to come in. We're going to have a lot of fun. There'll be food trucks where you can purchase food, and then a lot of free activities, live music, um, and even some animals for the kids to come and meet and enjoy. Uh, before we jump into our opening praise song, I invite you to stand as you're able and share the peace of the Lord or a good morning with one another with a hello. Uh, if you're online, type in and say hi and let us know that you're here. We are Amen. Let us pray. God of love, giver of life, you know our frailties and failings. Give us your grace to overcome them. Keep us from those things that harm us and guide us in the way of salvation. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, and all of God's people say, Amen. I invite you to be seated. Dear church, grace to you and peace from the God who created you, from the Savior who redeems you, and from the Holy Spirit who calls you each by name. Amen. Today we're going to be reading a scripture from Paul's letter to the Philippians, uh, starting in the second chapter, verses 1 through 13, and I'm just going to dive right in and read it, and then we're going to unpack it together. So here we're hearing from Philippians 2, 1 through 13. Paul writes, If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, 
any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, Just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It's the end of the reading. That passage is fairly well known in scripture, and it stands out in the whole testament of, of New Testament scriptures for both its beauty, the poetry of how it is written, and for its depth and attention to understanding who Jesus is, what his life and death means for us, and how we're called to live out our identity as followers of Jesus. It might be notated in your Bible as a heading or in the notes underneath, or you may hear it referred to as the Christ hymn, because the middle portion where the language becomes very poetic is thought to be directly quoting an early Christian hymn that was sung in worship during the first days of Christianity. We're talking roughly 50 to 60 CE as Paul is writing this letter. Before Christianity was widely accepted, adopted by the culture, in fact, Paul was in prison when he wrote these words. Consider that our faith tradition that we're living out right now is about 2,000 years old. And this letter and that hymn were being written and sung in the very first decades of its existence. That's amazing. We're looking at a correspondence that was composed when people were still wondering in those early days, what does it mean to say, I believe in Jesus? And what does it mean? And what does it look like to be someone who says, I believe in Jesus? The questions that the early believers were asking 2,000 years ago don't actually sound that unfamiliar to questions we might ask ourselves today. What does it mean to say that I believe in Jesus? What does that look like? We could name thousands upon thousands of things that have changed since that time, things that have adapted, things that have evolved since those days, and yet we also realize that at its core, the human experience remains the same. We're creatures longing for connection and belonging. 
We're people searching for meaning. We seek to be loved, to be heard, to be understood. We're not that different from the very first Christians. What I think is happening in this passage, in this letter that Paul is writing to a church from prison, is that he's handing out a simple assignment as they wrestle with what it means to believe in Jesus and live that out in the world. And the assignment is quite simply this. Be of the same mind. Verses 5 through 12, that's the hymn quoted in the middle of the passage, begin by saying, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. That's the assignment to the early Christians and to us today. But let's pause a minute and think about that, because that might not mean what you think it means. Because as I was wrestling with this this week, I thought about how we tend to mix up unity with uniformity. Uniformity is existing without difference, without variation, without diversity, being one and the same. Uniformity is requiring strict adherence to a dogma, following rules and never deviating from what has been laid out as the correct way of thinking. Uniformity is everyone thinking the same things, saying the same things, wearing the same things. Uniformity is something that I think we struggle with from the time we kind of come of age and around middle school to the time we pass away. Wanting to fit in, wanting to keep up, wanting to not stand out or stick out or seem like we're not like everyone else. Uniformity. One very specific, and I will admit, niche example of uniformity that I'm going to share is in this video clip from one of my favorite TV shows of all time, and I'll tell you more about it after you see it. We are the Borg. Lower your shields and surrender your ships. We will add your biological and technological distinctiveness to our own. Your culture will adapt to service us. Okay, for those non-sci-fi folks, you know I always like to get in a reference somewhere. It's a reference to this fictional race called the Borg whose sole purpose is to assimilate entire planets and cultures so that nothing remains but them and their hive mind. Uniformity. Uniformity, abiding by a singular rule and a way of existence, it's a process of assimilation or conversion that gives the more powerful person, the more powerful culture, or in that case, species, the freedom to choose what is right and acceptable for everyone. Power is the key to uniformity. With enough power, you become the norm or the rule that all others must adhere to. And it's easy to think that perhaps Paul's assignment to us of be of the same mind simply means be the same. And out of this notion, historical Christianity has often been led down a path of violence and coercion that we still have to lament and atone for today. Yesterday was Orange Shirt Day, 
And if you don't know much about Orange Shirt Day, I would recommend you Google it. It was yesterday this year. It's a day set aside to remember the hundreds of thousands of Native children who attended Indian boarding schools from 1819 all the way through 1969 here in the United States. It's a part of our history where indigenous children suffered the process of their culture being erased, uniformity being enforced. They were stripped away from their ancient identities, those that had been bestowed on them for centuries by the native peoples whose land we now live on. It echoes throughout the history of the world that those with power often seek to force uniformity upon those who have less power or no power. But uniformity is not the assignment that Paul is giving us. You see, he goes on to define what he means. He says, let the same mind be in you that it was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God, power, as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus did not come down in power with the show of strength and dominance. Christ came in vulnerability and weakness as an infant born to migrant parents who had to travel first to Bethlehem and then to Egypt to save his life. Jesus' message of love and forgiveness wasn't shared as a new decree or a new law from a conquering Caesar or a ruler with power and might. Jesus' message was shared as he himself fed the hungry with fish and bread as he offered healing and kindness to the people living on the margins, the orphaned, the widowed, the untouchable, the sick. Jesus, as Paul writes, emptied himself, taking the form of one who serves, who feeds, who heals, who washes dirty feet, who forgives his friends and his enemies, the form of one who dies in order to make it clear that it's not power that wins the day. It is Presence, being present, walking beside, meeting others where they are in love and in humility. This isn't about uniformity, but it is unity. Be of the same mind that was in Christ Jesus. Don't worry about making everyone like you, but share with others the type of love that Jesus shared. Share the same thought process as Jesus, who looked first to the needs, to the hurts of the person in front of him. Okay, so not uniformity, but unity. And what does that look like? Well, I'd first like to share with you what it sounds like. I'll give more of an explanation after this next video.
That's it. That's what unity can look and sound like. When the ensemble is ready to begin, a single clear note is played, often by the oboe, but sometimes by the grand piano. It's one singular, perfectly clear note, A440. Soon, that singular note is matched by the violins, violas, cellos, and bass. The brass and winds join. The booming booming timpani gets there, and then there's a descent into chaos. While the strings check the other strings, the brass check their fifths, and the flutes play a few runs. And everyone makes sure that their specific and beautiful and different-sounding instrument has been tuned to that one clear, perfect starting pitch. And then silence as the conductor raises their hands, a pause, and then joy. Symphony, sound, many different instruments playing many different parts, so many different rhythms, a diversity of sound, timbre, and timing, all tuned to the same note. Not uniform, but unified. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. This is not the work of assimilation because of power and advantage. This is the work of love and joy, humbly singing, dancing, playing the symphony of God's grace and love. How do we do this? What does that look like? Presence is key. I think you know it when you experience it. I think it's as simple as listening, really listening to what someone is trying to say to you. I think it's as profound as a response that says, I've actually never thought of it that way. Thank you for trusting me with that. Instead of saying, that isn't right. The Bible says, I think it's as life-changing as saying, I don't know what I think about that or what I believe, but thank you for sitting in this honest space with me and not judging me. I think it's as important as saying, I forgive you and I still can't allow you to be in my life because of the harm that you've caused me. Because remember, if we're going to care for God's world, we also care for ourselves. It's not one thing, this unity, this sharing the mind of Jesus, but it's so many everyday things. Seeking to understand, hearing the thoughts and words and sacred stories of others, believing them when they tell you what it's like to be them. And always, always tuning your heart to the melody of God's grace and love. So may you experience that this week. God's invitation to love the world, to serve others humbly as a call to a wonderfully diverse and varied unity that flows from the love and the life of Jesus. Amen. Let us pray. Tune our hearts, Lord Jesus, to sing your praise and to serve your world. Help us to acknowledge and to honor the stories of others. Help us to tell our sacred stories. Help us to share in this space of love and acceptance and joy. Be with and bless us as we live this out in your world. And help us to care for ourselves and for others. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. I invite you to stand if you'd like for our time of prayer and confession. Remembering the caring and generous works of God, we pray for the church, creation, and the needs of our neighbors. At the end of each prayer, I'll say, Merciful God, please respond with, Receive our prayer. Let us pray. We put our trust in you, O God, as we pray for the church. Give bishops, pastors, deacons, and teachers the gift of wisdom and discernment. Be with them in bold truth and faithful witness. Merciful God, receive our prayer. Lead us in your truth as we pray for creation. Empower to look to us to look to the interests of others as we make choices that impact the environment. Summon us to be advocates for healthy waterways, habitats, and clean air. Merciful God, receive our prayer. Lead us in justice as we pray for those in government, in the military, and other positions of authority. Give them humble and willing hearts looking to the needs of others. Keep them safe in their service. We pray also for our enemies. Merciful God, receive our prayer. Trusting in your goodness, we pray for all caregivers and people who are sick or suffering in any way, especially those we name now either silently or out loud. Give them encouragement and consolation in your presence. Merciful God, receive our prayer. Teach us your paths as we pray for our family of faith. Be at work in us and unite us in your love as we labor together for the sake of the gospel. Merciful God, receive our prayer. Receive these prayers, O God, and all those too deep for words through Jesus Christ our Lord as we now pray the prayer that he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory for an ever and ever. Amen. We now enter into an honest space where we reflect on our week and knowing and trusting that God's forgiveness is with us every moment of every day and not just here and now at the start of our week. Uh, we read this aloud as a way to open ourselves up to seeing how much God comes into our life with his love and forgiveness. Please join me in reading the words on the screen. We confess that we are wrapped up in sin and cannot free ourselves. We nurture conflict and build walls. We neglect the needs of our neighbors and ignore the groaning of creation. Have mercy on us. When we are self-centered, open our hearts. Where we are reluctant, give us courage. Where we are cynical, restore our trust. Renew us with your grace and give us the hope of new life in you. Amen. And now hear this, dear children of God. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for us, and for his sake, God forgives us all our sin. 
As a called and ordained minister of the Church of Christ and by Christ's authority, I declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sin in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And please respond to me and also with you. And also with you. Amen. Please be seated. At this time, I invite you to pull out your communion cups or for those worshiping at home, your bread and wine or grape juice as we prepare ourselves to receive the gifts of Jesus Christ. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, blessed it and broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me, the body of Christ given for you. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me, the blood of Christ shed for you. Amen. People of God, may the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen you and keep you in God's grace. Amen. We thank you for prayerfully continuing to give to King of Kings to help us support the mission and ministry of our congregation. If you're joining us online, we do have a QR code at the end that you can make your offering that way. Here we are still taking our offering in the back as you leave, but that should be changing very soon. Uh, so we thank you very much for continuing to find those ways to give throughout all of um, that we've been through over these past few years. Now may you receive this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Go in peace. Share the good news. Thanks be to God.